exciting news. Yes. It is launch week around these parts. So our Wayman Unlimited onboarding coaching program is now open for enrollment. If you are a digital creator who's looking to add more predictability, more profit, and more peace into your business, our Wayman Unlimited program is here to help you. Through our monthly onboarding coaching sessions, we'll remove the overwhelm of growing your business and give you specific marketing tactics to focus on each month so you can grow, but at a sustainable pace. Because we're all steady, about... Steady. Slow growth around here. We take a slow and steady approach to running a calm business so you can reach your business goals without sacrificing your well-being. By the way, also included in Wayman Unlimited is a lifetime account to our core software, Tea Tree, which is the most customizable and brandable course platform on the market. You also get access to a member favorite group accountability system we call Wayme of Stones. That's Please right. don't sue us, Game of Thrones. <laughs> where we blend fun and action taking together in our weekly Wayme Slack community through doing some accountability and sharing our goals, getting our tasks done every single week. That's right. If you are interested in joining Wayman Unlimited, head to wanderingaimfully.com slash join to learn more and get all the details. And just as a reminder, the doors will be open until March 26th. Welcome to What Is It All For? A podcast designed to help you grow your online business and pursue a spacious, satisfying life at the same time. We're your hosts, Jason and Caroline Zook, and we run Wandering Aimfully, an unboring business coaching program. Every week, we bring you advice and conversations to return you to your most intentional self and to help you examine every aspect of your life and business by asking, what is it all for? Thanks for listening, and now let's get into the show. And I'm here too. (laughs) Well, hello and welcome, 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 welcome. What's happening? Jason. I wanted to really like reverberate people's speakers. And by speakers, I mean their AirPods or AirPods. Because does anybody listen to anything without those things anymore? Yes. Really? I think plenty of people listen to corded things. Corded? Like a corded phone? Like they plug? I think also just some people are not willing to spend the amount of money to get AirPods. They're oh, just like, for sure. Yeah. I just meant like any type of Bluetooth. I just call them all AirPods at this point. Oh, like yeah. anything. Any, Cordless. Any, anything that's Bluetooth. Anything. Anything. Uh, this is an exciting uh, shift of events for us in the recording of the What Is It All For podcast. Mm. And that we are currently recording with not one, not two, <laughs> not three, but four microphones. You're so weird. You're so weird. Uh, so I, You're I, such a gearhead. I definitely talked about this in our email newsletter and to our WAME folks. But for those of you who are listening... Uh, just to paint a picture of what our setup has been Do like, because I think it'd paint be fun. It. You You're ready? an artist. Here we go. You walk into Caroline's fart studio, and you see you fart. our. <laughs> you can fart if you want. It's oh, a fart okay. fart zone. Uh, you see a love seat, a black love seat, mm-hmm. and we are both sitting on it, facing each other, mm-hmm. uh, with our legs both up on the couch here, crisscrossing. Yeah, our legs, our legs are sort of like puzzled together, all yeah. nice and cute. Uh, and Carol has a a larger boom arm with a microphone a shotgun microphone a boom arm on the front of it yeah they know what it is oh okay and then i have a smaller like normal mic stand looking uh boom arm but small that has a little handheld mic that's our normal setup right and then we've got a little audio recorder yeah well we added into this two lavalier microphones those are the ones that just clip on to your shirt Mm -hmm. if you have the ability to do that (laughs) or you have not everyone does you have uh you hold the lab in your hand which is what you're doing yeah and because you tried to clip it on and your blouse just wasn't, it was not partaking. I have breasts. And so what we what we learned. I think it was more the fabric than your I breasts. Don't, listen, as someone, <laughs> I don't think you're in a position to talk because you do not have breasts. Jason was like, do it like this. And it's like it clipped directly between his pectoral muscles. But I also don't and have so, a button flowery excuse me, excuse me. shirt. Excuse me. 
that's true you don't but i tried to do that and i was like how why can i not clip this in a way where no fabric is touching the little microphone bit and it took me about like way too long like 30 seconds to be like what is different here and it was like oh i have quite a different terrain a different (laughs) topography going on yeah Yeah. i think it's the attire personally i think if you had i think if you had a shirt with less buttons and less switch shirts let's freaking see (laughs) yeah so we're gonna see if caroline can physically hold a lav in her hand i'm holding the lav and i uh, and we'll see how it sounds i regret it I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I feel good about it. Uh, I'm also not sure at this exact moment which audio I'm going to use for the podcast. I think I'm going to try and use the labs because I, the whole point of this. Right. I don't yeah. even think we mentioned the point. Yeah. The just whole point like, of this. Cool, well, cool. I wanted to paint the picture you first. Have four we have, microphones. Great. You're look, super cool. They could mentally look at us and then they could go, okay, but now why are you doing this? Yeah. The reason why we're doing this is because we hope after getting vaccinated, after Many the majority of the of, population gets vaccinated, yeah. uh, you know, metaphorical doors open to other countries, we can travel. Our goal would be to travel the abroad in 2022, and we want to continue doing this podcast. And having boom stands with mics and other things, not going to be fun. We're not interested in traveling with those. But what we could travel with are two little corded lavalier microphones mm-hmm. that we could sit on any couch in any apartment in any country around the world, we have this little audio interface. They plug in, we clip them or hold them, whatever you prefer, and we can still bring to you an audio experience. That is high quality Uh, and of one Jason Zook's high, high standards. Yes. And the other thing we want to try and use these for is also for our coaching sessions. Right. Because right now we just use the one boom mic, but we could go to the two lav mics and we could get a nice... Lab One experience. boom, two labs. Let's go. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, so you'll have to let us know if it sounds good, bad, different. You didn't notice at all. Maybe you don't care. No, you don't. Yeah, you yeah, just you're are like, like. It's just, and we don't, we're not here for the quality. If your response is, I don't give a shit. Listen, this is me as okay. a listener. Yeah. I, I do appreciate like a well like edited podcast or whatever. But as far as audio quality goes, as long as, like, I have a, a bar of, like, good enough. Right. As long as it's not, like, somebody was on a walk yeah. with their AirPods recording a call-in interview. Yes, yes. Or Zoom, where the internet was very spotty. Yes. And it's, like, echoey and there's it lags and stuff. Anything above that. You're good. Uh, it's fine. Well, this 100% audio stuff is a law of diminishing returns. It's like you get to a certain threshold and it's like, I'm, I'm doing it for me more than I am exactly. anybody else. But that's what I was going to say is... Maybe there's a lesson about okay, creativity on. or business in here. Yeah. Like, know what your intention is and what is driving your motivation. So this is a very intrinsically motivated task for you. Right. Yes, it's about you care about the person listening, but like you just want to I want see to if you good. can get it better. Yeah, and you I want just it to wanna, sound good. Like yeah. I listen to professionally produced podcasts. Right. And if it doesn't sound good when they're doing it, I'm like, I mean, come on, guys. Like, yeah. I can make it sound good in my house. I think it just makes you feel good knowing that the show that's going out would sound good to you as a listener. So that's your standard. Yeah, that's okay. so uh, I would – this is one of those things. I would absolutely love some feedback for, for you guys, the listeners, because that's who we really care about doing this for. Did you notice a difference? Does it sound good? Uh, is there anything that was weird? Uh, let us know. I would really like to know uh, if you cared at all. Hello at wanderinggameplay.com. Been loving the uh, the messages you guys have been sending through about the movies yeah, and the afternoon the, snacks. Literally love the commentary. And just all the different things you've been sharing. So. Um, also, just to let you know, this this extra tripod is going quite well. Yeah. Uh, you're like kind of pulling it I'm away. Not. I'm not. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. All right. 
I'm not. All right. It's like a little bit off to the side. Has it been off to the side the it's whole been, time? The whole time. Wow. Could we bring but it into the middle a little bit? Do you see how my head? Yeah. Look at my head. Could we do bring you, it into the middle I, at all? Again, I have a breast, and no, it's that's in, fine. impeding my. I Isn't it malleable? <laughs> it's not made of aluminum. <laughs> it's not made of titanium. <laughs> It's not made of magnesium. Okay, you're hurting my side. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, what do you want to talk about this episode? They already know. I don't. <laughs> it's usual. In this episode, we are going to talk about resisting societal success norms. Mm. It's a mouthful. People name norm in society, just like just, you see hey, one and you run. Listen, norm. Yeah. No. Get out of here, Mm-mm. norm. No, I just thought it'd be an interesting... Um, we've kind of touched on this in various different episodes before. One about marriage comes to mind. Um, but I, I think listeners by now should know that you and I are two people who like part of what our whole reason for existing in the business world is just to remind people that they don't have to do things just because they think they should. Yeah. Like it's all about intentional living. It's about deciding what you want for your life. You only get one chance at this thing called life. Um, I believe someone once wrote in a book, the way things have always been done is not the way things have to be done. I don't know who that was. I don't know what book it was. Was I'm not it, quoting myself on this one. <laughs> Jason's like in Own Your Weird. But I just it? think that phrase has been such a guiding force for me from like my entire life. And I think it's been such a guiding force for us in business. Like there are some things that we do that everyone does. Um, but there are a lot of things we do that people don't. Right. And then in life, it's kind of the same thing. Exactly. And so I wanted to have this bigger conversation about what are the things that, what are the metrics of success that society imposes upon us traditionally and, you know, what are some of the, the things that we all as a collective know are like the, the marks of a successful person? And then what are some ways that we can push back on those things and say, you know what, like, I understand that that would make me successful in someone else's eyes, but that's not something I'm willing to do because it doesn't fit right for me or whatever those things are. Um, I, one caveat, because you guys don't know, we always have caveats. Nothing, nothing caveat. is ever black and white with us. always a caveat here and there. But also, this doesn't mean that... If you do decide that what you want for your life is some of these more traditionally accepted things, like one that comes to mind is like getting married, for example, like that is kind of one of these milestones in life that society impresses upon you. It's like, oh, well, you got to get married and blah, blah, blah. That doesn't mean that if you're a married person that you're somehow just like, you know, a zombie that's just like falling right. in line with the flock. Like that might be a decision that was 100% right for you yeah, um, and all of that. So it really, the reason that I wanted to do this podcast is less about that and more about if you're someone listening right now and you are struggling with something that you know that you want to pursue or a decision that you want to make for your life but it doesn't necessarily line up with what society deems to be successful or you know something that society tends to affirm we just want to give you permission to do it anyway yeah and I think a big part of this conversation is we're going to use the term like society but I think we're a lot of what we're talking about is family and friends and yeah. there's a lot of pressure in your familial circles and your friend circles of like, everyone starts getting pregnant and having babies. Uh-oh, is it time for you to start doing that? Right. Everyone's getting married. Uh-oh, is it time for you to find someone and get married? Right. Uh, everyone is leaving their jobs to start their own business. Like, you like your job. Do you have to leave your job? It's like yep. all these different things. Right. And I think that even for me, just to kind of go take a step back in time a little bit. I remember when like I was the only entrepreneur in my friend group Mm -hmm. and it was just like, it was weird. You know, it was weird. No one could relate to my day. Everyone just thought I just like sat around the house and just like messed around all day and was just being goofy. I mean, technically I kind of was. At the time you were. Yeah. But before that I had a, you know, I worked, I had a design company that I ran. And so like, I wasn't being goofy at that time. 
Um, but there is just a lot of weird pressure that floats around. And I remember how odd it felt when you would be at a dinner or whatever or at a party. People like, oh, like, what do you do? And you're just like, I wish I just had an easy answer because yeah. this is going to open like a whole bunch of things I don't really care to talk about. Yeah, and because it's different, I do find that people... Like, I don't know why this particular memory is coming up for me, but I think it makes it tangible, so I'm just going to share it. When you just said that, it reminded me of a couple of years ago, I was at a friend's, I think it was her bachelorette or something, and at the time, it was when I was really trying to, not even trying, but I was really enjoying sharing my art on Instagram. I think maybe it was when I was doing my daily project or something on Instagram, and so I was, this is, I know this is like very you know, normal now for people to be sharing all the time on Instagram and writing these long captions. This is like 2015, 2016, which was, it was not that normal at the time. And so I was really enjoying Instagram as like a writing platform and doing my own thing and trying to build up my art business. And I remember sitting at a table full of like girls at this bachelorette party. And this one girl made a comment about like, I think I was taking a photo or something. And then she was like, oh, Caroline's going to put this on Instagram and do one of her like novel captions or something. said that. And it was like a joke or whatever. Yeah. But it made me feel so immediately ostracized for trying to do anything different. Yeah. Or, or, you know, I was like, I was thinking to myself like, hey, bro. This is my job. Like, this is me trying to carve out my career. Yeah. I would never be like, hey, here she goes trying to, like, get a promotion. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't make fun of your career. I wouldn't make fun of your pursuit of whatever you're trying to craft out in the world. But if you are doing something different, if you are going down a path that fewer people, and again, like, it's more accepted today. But if you're going down a path that not that many people go down, people are always going to have those little jabs, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I just... I think if, if anybody can relate to you, dear listener, on trying to go a different direction in your life, it is us. Right. We have done a lot of things differently. We have done a lot of things against even what our families would have wanted us to do. Um, and I think maybe the first place we can start with this, I don't know if you had a starting place you wanted, but I think the job thing is like a really interesting sure, to start with. Sure, let's start with. there. And I, we've talked about this on multiple episodes, but I don't know about you, listener, but I feel Caroline feels the same way. It's like, if we were to tell our families... Or ask our families, what is like a good job that we would have? That you would just feel so proud of us if we had that job. Almost guaranteed they'd be like doctor or lawyer. Yeah, I think that's for maybe most families. Maybe most families. And maybe there's like, you know, engineer or like something like that. But it's yeah. like, it's a very like common job that, you know. But I would be I would be interested to know you listener thinking right now, is there, a, is there one or two jobs that you can immediately think yeah. of that you it became very clear that your parents would have loved for you yeah. to have that job. And I think what's really interesting about that is that unless your parents were those things, which I think is a very rare case, it's like our parents wanted us to get those jobs because they were better, they thought, than the jobs they had, right? right. So it's like... They want better for themselves. Exactly. Right? So like, well, a better job than what I had is like, you know, whatever I was doing would be, you know, a doctor. Okay, so I want my daughter to be a doctor. I want my son to be a lawyer. And what's hilarious about that is that you, and I think so many people already understand this and have been through it in their lives of like, yeah, but like, I would not have made a good doctor or lawyer. You know what I mean? Like, Dr. Jason Zook, uh, they're, they're funny though. Although they're, you do, you are so good at your your legal terminology when you just go on your rants and you go, sustained, your honor. Well, here's the thing. I objection mean, if, to yeah, this. Yeah. I mean, we're going to make sure that you're held in contempt at all times. Uh, but yeah, I, and it's, it's just, it's so interesting because 
our parents and the people around us put these ideas of what would be successful for us in work, not realizing like, well, yeah, but like, would that be good for me? Like, would right. I be a good fit for that thing? Right. And, and I think so often as you're growing up and as you're trying to figure out what you want to do in life, and maybe so many of you are still trying to figure that out. Um, I think we only really figured it out like two or three years ago is that you understand, oh, I'm not meant to go down the medical path. I'm not meant to go down. I'm meant to go down a creative path. Yeah. I'm meant to go down uh, a musical path. I'm meant to go down a you know artistic path, whatever the thing is. And it's a it's on you to figure that out because you know you better than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, like our parents do this unknowingly, right? They yeah. like, In a lot of ways, they just, they want us to be happy. Well, unless they're like really controlling parents are like, you're going to medical right, school right, and you're going to become, because right. that does but happen I think, too. Right. Yeah. But I think for the most part, they yeah. just, they just want us to be happy. And I think what happens though is like that previous generation kind of conflates money with happiness in a lot of ways, because a lot of these jobs are secure jobs with, you know, a higher paying salary and all these things. And it's like, I get that. Um, like, unfortunately we live in a society where there are very you know, there's a vast difference between your experience, you know, being of a certain higher income bracket versus a lower income bracket. And anyone that tells you that money can't buy happiness, we get that, but it can buy a lot of privileges. It can yeah. buy a lot of opportunities. It can buy a lot of, um, you know, just advantages, advantages, yeah. space, mental health, all of that. So, um, we can't ignore that. So, you know, I don't think, I don't think our parents were so off base in, in saying, I want you to have a job that is going to give you economic stability. However, I think what we're seeing now with our generation coming of age is like, oh, you know, it's more about, it's more about happiness and authenticity. It's more about, do I wake up every day and feel like I'm pursuing something that is matching? Like I always, I always say your outsides matching your insides. Like to me, your, you know, authenticity is like your actions in alignment with your values. Yeah. Um, and, the, and not even your values, but even sometimes just your core personhood, like that essence of you that wants to do a creative thing or that essence of you that like is so moved by music or that essence of you that's so moved by numbers and spreadsheets. Like it doesn't have to be a creative thing because I do think we romanticize that now. Like it's almost swung the opposite way where we're like only creative paths are now like you couldn't possibly be living your life's passion if you are, you know, a an accountant. And it's right. like, no, you absolutely can. Yeah. It's just it's about finding that match for you. And yeah. then being okay if that match for you is not necessarily a match for whatever your parents wanted for you. Yeah. I think the other really interesting part of this that it's a good intention for our parents to want us to have a secure job or whatever. Or just even if they had a secure job for their entire life. But I think it's not until we come of this age where we're at the age when they were trying to impose that on us. And now they're 20, 30 years older. And they look back on their careers and go, I really didn't enjoy the 20 to 30 years that I worked. Yeah. You know? And and they don't even realize that until they go that time. And then they look back on it and they're like, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't enjoy my job at all. And I think that that, for me, for as long as I can remember, I've just always wanted to go, I'm going to work for a third of my life at least. I want to enjoy that. Yeah. I want to figure out a way that I can enjoy that. And being a doctor or being a lawyer, maybe someone could absolutely enjoy that. But I think I'm statistically, sure. we, are, we see that people do not enjoy that as work. And it's very stressful. And it's very like dentists, I think, have the highest suicide rate of any job or whatever. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and, and I think that that just is the point to me when it comes to picking a career 
is that what our parents didn't see growing up, and even parents today don't see growing up, is like 30 years of doing that thing leads to... Right, what's the compounding effect of Exactly, that? like what's the rest of your life going to look like yeah. as opposed to our generation, which is like, I don't know, I'm just going to kind of like float around. I'm going to try some stuff and I'm going to do some different things and I'm going to be okay not getting like a secure full-time job because it just doesn't resonate, like you said, with like what's on the inside for me. Yeah, and I think I figured that out pretty quickly too, um, like what you were saying about kind of extrapolating the experience like very quickly within the first year of being in the workforce. Like I just was like... Woof. <laughs> yeah, I was like, woof. Like I just think some people are so well-suited for that kind of structure. Yeah. And some people are so ill-suited for that kind of structure. Yeah. And now, thank goodness, we live in an era where you have options. If you are not the type of person who does well under the... Um, you know, restrictions and boundaries imposed on you by someone else. Some people do really well in that way. They yeah. thrive because they they just want someone to tell them, tell me where to show up and what yeah. to do, and I want to do that. But other people, I feel like they have this autonomy that they, that they have to exercise, this flexibility that they need, and that I was definitely one of those people. And my first year in the workforce, I was just like, I am extrapolating this out 20 years and I, I, I will, I see the ill effects of oh, this. Yeah. I remember at my design job when I worked for a men's professional tennis, there was a guy who was like 30 years my senior. That was my path. Yeah. Like I could see it sitting in the opposite side of my office and he never looked happy. Yeah. He never looked like he enjoyed his work. And like that, there's a lot of nuance and a lot yeah. of other things there. But I just saw firsthand, kind of like you did, you get there like, okay, hold on, this isn't for me. Yeah. And, and I, I do want to make sure that we make the point very clear. Not everybody's going to be able to have their dream job at any time. And right. it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of privilege to be able to do that. And I think we're very fortunate that we had the opportunities that we had. I will say that sometimes staying at a full-time job is a means to an end and that's perfectly fine too. Yeah. And we never want to shame anybody or make anybody feel bad if you're staying at a job that you don't like because you got to put food on your table. You got to pay your mortgage. 100%. You got to do this thing. And it's easier to stay in that job and just like maybe not enjoy it that much as opposed to like taking a huge swing and having a lot worse possibly Yeah. Happen. It's all trade-offs. Like, yeah. right. Like life is all about choosing your own trade-offs and you know, people definitely do make it out to seem like, well, it's so easy. Just quit your job, take the risks, take the leap. And it's like, that's all well and good, but I don't think that enough people talk about the real consequences for some people without a safety net of what that would require. So every person's journey is going to look differently on that. I guess the bigger point we're trying to make is like if the thing that has been holding you back is just the fact that you're afraid of what people will think or right. you know, if your friends and family won't see you in the same way, that is something to work through. That is something to think through because I'm trying to remember even – I wish I could remember the conversation I had with like my mom telling her that I was going to quit – my advertising agency job and go work for you. Yeah. But I guess that's a testament to her parenting that I don't remember it as being like a very big deal. Yeah. Um, and she's always been very supportive of like the choices that I make. Um, but I'm sure that was really hard for her of like knowing, like wanting a path for me, but then knowing that I was going to choose something different. I think she just trusted me that I would figure it out. Um, but that was a really hard thing that whole first year for me of kind of leaving the workforce to go do quote unquote my own thing. I was working for you, but, yeah, but it, it was yeah. sort of like dipping my toe in the entrepreneurial world. It's not yeah. like you were giving me a lot of structure to work with. <laughs> I um, was a really structured, really boss. structured boss, yeah. but put my lion makeup on this way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a really hard first year for me of letting go 
of that perception that I think I got a lot of self-esteem from, I knew that I had this perception of someone who had worked hard in school, someone who had succeeded, quote unquote, under the, you know, structure that is typical of people being successful. It's like, get good grades, get good job you know I was working at an advertising agency that was very not easy to get into you know all these different things get this internship in New York like I ticked all these boxes for what that looked like and to then suddenly be thrust into a situation where a lot of people didn't understand what I did thought it was weird thought it was crazy um you know I remember specifically this this conversation I had the first Christmas coming back um, or I guess I was living in Jacksonville at the time, but like the first Christmas after I had quit my advertising job and I went to go hang out with a high school guy friend's family. And this particular family had like always been the family that like had people over their house and they were a very well-to-do, um, doctor family. Um, and I love, loved that family, but I went over there and just like was talking with his parents and, you know, of course they're like, you know, how's life after college and what are you up to and blah, blah, blah. And trying to explain to them (laughs) that I had just quit my, you know, quote unquote to them, prestigious advertising job to make YouTube videos with my boyfriend (laughs) at the time was, I remember the looks on their faces and I swear it might as well have said, thank God my son did not end up with, you yeah. know, so-and-so. Because, like, I think in high school they sort of were like, oh, maybe they'll get together, that type of thing. I could see it on their faces. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it 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 was a really important year for me of swallowing that pride and just going, like, carrying with me this inner knowing of, like, I don't care what you think. Yep. I don't care that you think I'm making a big mistake because – when I extrapolate out this feeling, this feeling of freedom that I have right now, I, like I'm the winner here. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, like I know what what now you think less of me or something, but but I think high, more highly of me now. Yeah. Um, and and I think everyone has to go through that after they sort of take a step in their lives to reject some sort of more traditional path to cultivate that inner confidence that says I feel good about my decision yeah yeah and I think the kind of the last point on the job thing which uh, I wanted to I mentioned before we started recording was like we make more money than most doctors (laughs) so uh, you know not that's not to say like oh we make so much money it's like no the idea of becoming a doctor is so you can make like a hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever it's like yeah we we do that yeah and we're not doctors and it's very hard to explain what we do and I think that at a you know, party with family friends, they would just not get it. And they'd look at us cross-eyed because a doctor makes sense to them, but we love what we do. We're super happy to do that. And, and that's not to say that you can't be happy being a doctor. I'm just saying the statistics say that those people are not happy and we are happy. And I'm very grateful that we've gotten to that place. Well, I think there's just a bigger conversation to be had going back to what I was saying before about this weird conflation with money and happiness. Right. Like even us being like, well, we do make more money than like, even that is sort of operating under the old paradigm, which is money equals success. Well, totally. I know why we say it, which is like, it's an, it's an ironic thing, right? That you're, that, that people would expect you to be this one thing because of this one reason, AKA money. And then you would end up out earning that thing and people would look down on you for yeah. it you know i just i just want to like jab it you know yeah. i just want to like what's up society jab, jab you know right to the societal yeah. face yeah but i just think we we as as a group have a lot farther to go in terms of uncoupling this idea of yeah. making money 
equaling success. You know, I'd, I'd be really interested to know, like, what is a, what's like a middle schooler being taught right now about careers? You know, like, is it the same thing we were taught? Well, I think something interesting. Were you watching that with me? I don't think so. I think that was on the fake famous thing that I watched on HBO. Yeah, I wasn't watching but, that. But, and I, and I saw this study getting passed around like a, a couple of weeks ago, but I think now they did like a um, career poll for yeah. kids or whatever. And it's like the number one thing that kids want to be now is a YouTuber oh, or an influencer. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like you, you know that those teachers aren't bringing that up as a career well, option true. because they don't know what it is. Well, they, they know what it is, but they don't know how to talk about it. It's yeah. Like, Although you forget we're getting old enough to where the teachers are us now. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? It just yeah, I think it's it's interesting to how that shift has happened and yeah. if those things are actually being brought up as different opportunities that are quote unquote prestigious and that that narrative is going to shift. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, okay, I think we talked enough on the jobs one. What's our next topic when it comes to societal normies? Um, let's see. Well, yeah, we already sort of touched on our decision of why we ended up getting married, but I think that's one that people struggle with is like yeah, there are f- people out there who have decided that they don't want to be married and I'm sure that they get pushed back from that and feel somehow like they're, you know, othered in some way, but hopefully that's becoming a little bit more mainstream that like you don't need that title in order to feel like you're moving forward in life. Yeah. You don't even need a partner if you don't want, you know what I mean? Like I think I think that is starting to change as well of these so that that to me is like the career the money metric we put on people the relationships metric that we put on people is also interesting um which is what i'm talking about there that we did a whole episode on like why we eventually decided to get married but i think then in the there is like a natural progression in your head right which is you get a job job married married kids kids yeah And so that's kind of like an interesting one that we're rubbing up against now because I'm 32, you're... Well, it's not now. I mean, we've been rubbing up against it for a couple of years. Sure, that's true. (laughs) physically been rubbing up against it. You know what I mean, (laughs) guys? You know what I mean, cinema rollers? Dear God. (laughs) I mean, the conversation's come up many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the rub. That's what I'm talking about. What are you guys talking about? I don't know. Yeah. Why did you use that voice, though? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes you don't know. What's up? Um, yeah, this has been a topic of conversation in our house. I was saying because now I'm 32, you are 38. Thank you. And I'm at the point now where pretty much everybody in my friend group who is going to have children is having children. Well, they're almost all in their second child at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're looping back around. Yeah. I'm getting yeah. lapped on the <laughs> the high school track. You know what I'm saying? Poor thing. I know. Yeah. I'm just going slow. I'm yeah. just going at my own pace. But you know what? Who cares about the first place ribbons? Well, I don't need no the ribbons. I want the last place ribbon. Because you guys just steal me one? <laughs> <laughs> no, and so it's this interesting conversation because I feel so conv- I feel so much conviction about our timeline that we have discussed many, many times. I think every couple kind of has like their own timeline of things. Ours was less a timeline and more of <laughs> a bucket list. Like yeah. there are things that we want to do before we settle down and have children. Um, but even I will say that particularly this past year, like living in, in quarantine and feeling like I was basically pressing pause on that. Like, I was in this, like, weird stalling phase where I'm like... Yeah, because oh. I think it'd be helpful to paint the picture real quick. So, 
our idea was in 2021, yeah. we were going to live abroad. That mm-hmm. was going to be our year abroad. We, these four mics, we're going to figure out the two we were taking <laughs> with us. And we were going to live abroad for a year. And then we we're going to come back. And then we would like explore the kids thing. And like, is that when we start? You right, know? right, right. Maybe we start the rubbing up against each other while we're abroad. <laughs> I don't know what kind of romantic places you're going to take me to. You got to warm me up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, but that was kind of our life plan. Yeah. And then with COVID happening, that... Yeah pushed our travel plans and then we just had to be like okay well is it two years from now is it three years from now like we didn't know when we were gonna be able well, to travel exactly again. that's the craziest part is then I'm looking I'm thinking you know this is especially the couple of months after everything was unfolding I'm like okay people are like yeah we'll have a vaccine in three years everyone will be vaccinated I'm like okay that's three years and I try not to do the mental game of timelines in my head because you know there's some truth to it there's some of it that's a lot of fear-mongering right some of the studies have been like greatly exaggerated on like you're more likely to do this and you're act. it's like 0.2 percent more likely right exactly when, when it's like those things where it's like women are more likely to like it's whatever like your chances it is. drastically decrease after exactly. 35 it's, and you're like it decreases by yeah it, yeah the actual science behind it is like even if it's two percent it's like it's two percent right and yes. i've and i and i have looked into that but it's like it's so hard when you're a woman because you're like okay i see that it i don't know it's all there's too much uncertainty yeah, you know sure. but I think throughout that, what I have landed on is just that I refuse to be rushed by people around me. Not that anyone's saying it, but I'm just saying I refuse to be rushed um, by my own comparison to people around me. And I refuse to be rushed by my own fear. I, I, I want us to start a family based not out of fear. Yeah. And, and I want to not just do it because I think that that is the next step yeah, in and, our lives. And I think that this has been an interesting conversation that's evolved for us over the years because I was always on the like, let's wait train mm-hmm. and you were more on the like. But when train. Yeah. And, and not necessarily just because you were like, I want to have kids right now because I think even like a couple of years ago, like we weren't in a stable place with our businesses. We weren't in a stable place with your anxiety stuff. Like totally. there's just a lot of things that. Uh, you know, weren't working in our favor to bring a kid into the mix would have been like a whole, like you you have to like do stuff with them, right? I think so. I have some parenting advice. You guys know our parenting advice. Most of it's when they're 12. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's going to be your real heyday. Once we get to 12, I figured we can just give them a pile of dirt and they can just make hay. You know what I mean? (laughs) But I I, I think going back to what I was saying is that I, I was more on this early like train of Let's wait longer. Let's live more of our lives and figure our shit out, for lack of a better thing. And then once we kind of do that, you know, it'll be a good time. And yet what we see from a lot of our friends and people in our lives is like, well, they just go job, marriage, kids. And which is then, fine for them. Which is fine. But we, you see them not living the life that maybe they would have wanted and, and I'm not saying that is like a everybody. I'm just saying like we've seen examples of that. And and I just didn't want that for us. You mean they have vocalized like, oh, I wish I would have done X, Y, and Z. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I wish I wouldn't have had kids so early or so young or whatever. And again, like I'm not trying to shame anybody. And of course anybody. that's not – and I'm sure that's not them saying I would go back and do it any differently. All of them except for three <laughs> said I would keep them. I would <laughs> yeah, keep them. Yeah, that was sweet I thought that they yeah, would all keep them. The three, I mean we get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we, yeah. we get it. I'm kidding, We're kidding, obviously. obviously. Every child is amazing. They're <laughs> they're a gem and a shining star. No, but like I think there's something that happens though where the more time that goes by, it you do. I wish honestly, I wish more people were talking about waiting to have kids because I, agree. I have tried 
I have been, these thoughts have been swirling around in my head for like probably more realistically like a year now where it's becoming less abstract and it's becoming more like, oh, like I really do want this and what is it going to look like kind of thing. And I swear I have gone down so many rabbit holes trying to find women or men or, you know, anyone, um, non-binary people talking about the decision to start a family in their like mid thirties. And it's like a lot harder to find. And so I'm actually kind of glad that we're talking about it on the podcast of like a little bit of where we're at with it, just in case there are people listening who are like, oh, thank God, because I'm feeling the pressure too. And these are the reasons I want to wait a little bit. And again, no shade to anybody who decided younger. I think any way that you decide to start your family is very, or whether you decide to have one at all is incredibly personal personal and and individual. But But obviously let's tell you how to do it right. You know what I mean? (laughs) But- Wrapping it back into the whole purpose of this podcast episode, I do think that there's this part of me that feels that sometimes people, you know, my, like I, I worry, I don't know if this is a self-imposed um, self-conscious feeling, but like I feel like people look at us and judge us for being like not taking that next step. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, it definitely happens with our family. I mean, I know it happens with my family specifically of just like, we called my mom randomly the other day with a story and she was like, oh, I thought you guys were going to be pregnant. And I'm like, okay. Did she say that or did I say that No, first? she said that. Oh, for that's sure. funny. Because we called her out of the blue. Yeah. And it's just like, that's the first thought that comes to her mind. And it's also like, but why? You know what I mean? Like, that's just, why is that the thing that's like the perpetual cycle of, I'm going to be happy for you if this is the surprise you're spraying on me? Yeah. Not- I mean, I get it. Like, I, it's because it is exciting. But yeah, I, I wonder how much of that excitement just comes from the expectation, the societal expectation. Yeah. And if anything, I just, I find it fun that we just keep pushing against, you know, it's like every one of these phone calls is like, no, we're not pregnant. I think they've done, both of our moms have done a really good job of like, not bugging us about it though they they definitely don't like well i think they've given up <laughs> i absolutely think they yeah, do and yeah. this is part of our strategy because yeah. they did the same thing with marriage yeah and then we got we to surprise them, them. Down. we just wear we just them, wear them down. down they were just like okay they're never doing it and then we were like guess what we're getting married and they were like dang it like yeah. we we thought never so then by the time we do decide to have kids they're gonna be like oh we thought you were never doing that yeah yeah but, and and i i think the part of the whole kids discussion you know, just in general, like in a societal thing is you're never going to pick like a right time. For oh, that's what people. I wanted to say. And for us, like, that's the whole idea for us. Like we're really trying to pick the right <laughs> yeah. time. You know, that's what I was going to say is I swear if I hear another person tell me there's never a right time, right. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a better time. Right. There's a better, like, would anyone agree that, um, having stable income versus not stable income, if I can choose, I want to choose the time where I have more stable income. Like, you know what I mean? I I feel like that is such a, a line that people often say where they're they're just like dive in. And I get it. I get where it comes from that. It's like, it's going to turn your whole world upside down and there's no way to prepare for it. And I, wholeheartedly understand that I also understand I can't fully understand that until it happens but all I I think there's nothing wrong with saying yeah but I do want to be intentional about this totally we're intentional about everything else in our lives like I do want to be intentional I do want us to have this this untethered experience together of of seeing the world just the two of us and making a bunch of those memories 
um, you know, and all the things that we're going to learn about ourselves along that process. For me, it's incredibly important that my mental health is in such a solid shape before I then go on to shape another human being. I am very intent upon ending cycles in my family of certain things that have been passed down. And I need to heal those wounds before I then try to impart that upon another person, human. I'll I'll tell you what you don't want. I'll tell you what you you don't want me doing like 98% of the parenting. (laughs) I definitely don't. Because you're just going to have like an efficient like dishwasher loader. Robot. You're going to have like a laundry machine, like just like this person's like, they're just going to do chores. That's all they're going to do. If I'm being <laughs> honest, machine. that's it. They might have some creativity thrown in there and like, you know, be able to watch some JCBD movies. Maybe. But I would take your 98% of your parenting, but I don't think that that's thing, something you want to sign up for. I don't know. It depends. Do I get them when they're 12 or do I have to start early? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Let's move on to the next topic because this is one I actually think is uh, very interesting as well. Which one? They have the house one? No, books. Oh, the books one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we that's fine. I was going to talk about, you know, owning oh, a house, house versus oh. we missed we missed a step in the societal stairway oh, to crap. heaven. Job, marriage, job, marriage house? house, job, house, I think, marriage. I think job, marriage, house, dog, kids wow. is like how it I goes. just went. I just went dog first. That's I what know, I that's did. That's what you did. Yeah. And house. You did yeah. house first, actually. Well, I had a job. Then I had a dog. <laughs> Then I had a house. Remember the game of life? I feel like we all got real fucked up from that game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it's literally that. I had zero dependence. I was getting no extra money when I landed on things. Oh like, how God. many kids? You get $500 more. Like, those are just stimulus checks, like, back in yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, let's talk house, and then we'll go to books. Okay, briefly, house versus renting. This is another wh- area where I feel like we're a little bit weird in that we haven't bought a house yet. I mean, we did. Well, yeah. You, you had a house. Yeah, but that's it's also a really good reason why we haven't bought another house. So I bought a house in 2006, 8, 2008, like right before the market crashed, basically, in Florida, in a like sub-development, like not a place where you're going to be able to turn a house over very quickly. And we had to foreclose on the house. Like yeah. I literally could not sell the house uh, for a price that I would make money any money at all back or even lose like a couple $10,000 in value. And so we foreclosed on the house after owning it for, I don't know, however long. We tried to sell it for like whatever. three years. Yeah, literally tried to sell for three years, had renters in it, had like a the realtor like doing open houses, repainted the whole thing like twice over and it just, it would not sell. And so we finally foreclosed on it and I've had that on my record for however many years and it'll clear up or whatever. But so much of that process taught me that owning a house and, and I learned this from my buddy Greg, like owning a house really makes sense, at least in the way that he thinks about it. Now I think about it too, in two different categories. One is a place to store extra money that you have that you want to accrue in value, hopefully, and that you can like have it as a rental property. So you buy a house, you have somebody live in it that pays the mortgage, you make a little bit of money on it, and then eventually you can sell the house and hopefully you make like a hundred or $200,000. And for a lot of people, it's one of the few investments they can do besides just their standard like 401ks. Well, this I just want to make a point that this is also why that whole story of then then hopefully you sell it and you make a hundred or $200,000. This is also why, you know, if you are historically a white person in this country, your family can accrue wealth because if you were able to get a mortgage during, you know, the whole redlining era, when if you're a a black family or a family of color, you're not able to get a mortgage. You have such a, a a leg up if you're a white family because you're able to, uh, you know, store money in real estate, turn it for a profit. I just wanted to point that out. And completely acknowledging that, but then also showing that like, I did get a house. My grandparents who did have some wealth helped me pay for it 
and I lost money on it. Like totally. I couldn't even sell it to keep the wealth going. Like I didn't even help perpetuate that thing. But you, I, you didn't even use your privilege well. I did a horrible job. With Bad. That. But that's not to belittle that because that's one hundred percent true. Yeah. So the other example, uh, you know, when it comes to buying a house, besides having as like an investment property and generating wealth, is to have it be your forever home. And it's like a place where you want to live, you want to raise kids, you want to do those things. And we have gotten to this point in our lives the past couple of years where we don't want to be in a forever place. Yeah. We knew. Plaxico, rest his soul, uh, he was going to pass on a couple years ago. We knew this was coming, obviously. We're not, you know, we're not oblivious. And then after that, we wanted to travel to Europe. So to buy a house and have a forever home, but then also know that we were just going to then leave for a year, it just didn't make financial sense. And and we really, over the years, have come to enjoy renting, aside from a couple small things here and there, where like one time they tried to sell the house or place out from under us, and we basically were like, okay, this is not fun. We're leaving. But... You know, we've been in places where a toilet has exploded and it flooded the place and, and all these other things. We haven't had to pay for any of it. Yeah. We've just had to rent. And I owned a house where there was a slab leak. I owned a house where the roof had to be redone. I owned a house where the air conditioner broke. And I had to front all those bills. And in the grand scheme of things, even if I would have sold the house for like $50,000 in profit, which I didn't, just as a reminder, I would have all that money would have been lost anyway on the things I had to invest. And so... I'm not saying this is like, this is how home buying works and this is how it's going to work for everybody. I'm saying this has been our experience and why it continues to show us that renting is a perfectly viable option for us. And anybody who tells you you like have to buy a house and interest rates are as low as they've ever been and take advantage of that like cheap money, having a mortgage does lock you in to things and it does set you up for expenses that you may not expect to have and have to worry about. Renting doesn't do that. Yeah, without going down, like, the let's give financial advice about things we don't understand, the bigger picture here is just you don't have to do anything that people tell you that you have to do. Right. And so it, you changed my mind a lot on this, you know, shifting my mindset from I feel like traditionally people are like, oh, renting is throwing money away. I'm right. like, renting is paying for flexibility. Absolutely. That's what I. That's how I think about it now. I would happily pay for flexibility. Yeah. That's just that's fine. Um, and, and the mobility and the ability to just pick up and move whenever I want. Um, okay. The, you said the book thing, this is fun. Yeah. Oh, also just to caveat, uh, one more thing on the house thing. Yeah. If you bought a house and you own the house and you love the house and you're just super happy, congratulations. Good for you. We're not trying to shame you into saying you shouldn't have bought that house or anything. Like, again, I'm just trying to like in all these things where we're well, like pushing too. back against society. Yeah. Just make sure people know that like your decisions are valid. If you want to get a job, get married, buy a house, have kids and like you do, do the, the whole thing. Do the full life Do the full board. life board and get the extra stimulus money. And then, more power to you. Then the retirement at the end and make it to the spinner. More power to you. Do yeah. it. All like. If if it makes That's you fine. happy, do it. We're just here for the folks who are, are pushing against the norms of the world. Yeah. And, you... and if your name is Norm, I'm so sorry. I doubt it. I doubt we have any norms that Oh, listen. I think we do. You think if so? you're a norm, email us. We have nine people listening to this podcast, so there's no chance that there's a norm. I think that you're mistaken. Oh, maybe there's some zeros after that. I thought those were just like dollars <laughs> that we made. Just empty spots. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Last thing. Let's talk about our books. Okay. So the last thing I want to talk about is because... I think that of the things that we have done in our life, um, writing a book is actually one of those that would count in the column of like things that are traditionally successful. I've never felt more successful like by society standards than writing a book and having people pat me on the back for it. However, yeah, that's why I want to talk about it because you and I, and I don't want to get too much into like the explicit experiences of it. Yeah. Maybe we'll do like a whole podcast. Um, not Did you guys like a podcast where we talk about the explicit experiences of our books? Because that sounds Not like, that it was ooh. a bad experience, but I just think that the actual experience of writing 
and publishing a book is so much different than people think. Oh, I think for the majority of people who can get a traditional book deal like we both received, which is where a publisher gives you an advance of money, you work with an editor, you have an agent, the book that gets published under the publisher's name, they then distribute the book to different places. Like that sounds so prestigious and glamorous and just like you you have made it. The, the seas are parting for you. <laughs> and you know what happens? Uh, I made a lot more money with my self-published book and I enjoyed the experience a lot more. Yeah. And I actually, I have a very different traditional publishing experience because I just went about it a whole different way. For sure. Which you guys You have a non-traditional traditional, traditional publishing, publishing for sure. experience. But I did end up towards the end of it, you know, going through the same rigmarole that you go through when you go through that thing. And it's not fun. It, it really is not fun. Yeah. And then you become beholden to someone to do things and spend your time and energy. And with my self-published book, my first book, I was beholden to no one. I did the things yeah. I wanted to do. I chose the cover design that I wanted, designed by Caroline. Oh. We had so much fun building the website, and that was even before we built many websites. So, like, the fact that you cobbled together what you cobbled together was amazing. Mm -hmm. And just all these things. And then to have the second experience, which is still fine, but you have other people who have their hands in it. And lots of other hands are in lots of other things. And it just, it was a very different experience. And if I was to say which one was the better experience, absolutely the self-publishing. Like, I can answer that without a doubt. Yeah. And I think that it's just, it's, I think it's helpful to hear people talk about who have done traditional and I've done self-published. You haven't done self-published yet, but I'm sure it's going to be in your future. And I imagine you're going to have the exact same experience that I did where you look back and you go, yeah, it's much more fun to self-publish it myself. Yeah. It's just so interesting. Like it's just the whole thing. I'm so glad that I did go down the, the route of traditional publishing for my book because I'm so glad I have that experience yeah. and like knowing what it's like on the inside. And it was not a bad experience. It was, it was a good experience. Mine wasn't bad either. Exactly. Yeah. It was just so different than yeah. on the inside than what people think from the outside. Yeah. And that is, I think the whole thing that I'm trying to kind of hit home with this whole podcast episode is like whatever these things that we all point to and affirm for each other are so are experienced so differently from the outside than the inside, you know? Yeah. And I think that's really important to listen because you, listener, are on the inside yeah. of every experience that you have. And so if the outside is shiny and the inside is shitty, that that's not a life that you want. Yeah. Choose the shiny inside and the shitty outside, not <laughs> yeah. the shiny outside and the shitty inside. Yeah. And I think even just from like a financial standpoint, because a lot of people don't talk about this when it comes to like traditional versus self-publishing is even if you can get a book advance for, let's say for first time authors, like $20,000 is a really good book advance for a first time author, especially if you're someone who like doesn't have a million followers on some right. social platform. Like you're just like a you normal person. You have like a little person. micro influencer. Yeah, even following. like us. Like we probably have more than the average person. And so we were able to leverage that a little bit. But let's just say you can get a $20,000 book advance. Sure. You can make more money selling a self-published book because you're going to have to promote and market your book either way. And when it comes to a traditionally published book, you don't make any money on your book until you sell enough copies that pays back the advance then you only get like a fraction of every sale after that. That's what I think people don't understand. They don't understand. And then even if they do, they don't run the numbers. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if I could get a thousand people to buy my book on Amazon tomorrow, right? If we take Own Your Weird, my, my, my second book, I make $1 and like 16 cents off that book. I still haven't earned my advance back. I haven't sold so enough copies. you don't copies. even see that money. I don't see that money. 
if I sell a thousand copies of Creativity for sale, I make the book, I think the last I checked, it was like $14. I make like $12 of that. Mm -hmm. I just made $12,000. And so it's like, when you run the numbers of, you know, even thinking of like, what's a, what's a really good scenario? Do I want to potentially make $12,000 or do I want to make the $20,000, but then I'm never going to make more money on that book. And I'm just constantly doing work to like try and earn back that advance. You have so much more potential with the self-published option. Like, yeah, I mean, I will say like where, where the traditional route really comes in handy is the distribution deals, but most quote unquote distribution deals like are just like normal bookstores. Right. And, and then even then they're not going to fly off the shelves. Like you, you as the person, as the author have to then market to people to go out to bookstores. I will say, you know, the one difference was like the target deal for my journal where they did a specific version of my journal for the target dollar spot. And that is a place where things just fly off the shelves for no reason (laughs) because people are like, but that was very like, that came what, like a year after the book had come out. Yeah. A year and a half, two years. Had no idea that was coming. And and that's like, exactly. So that's, that was my point is what I was trying to say is like, those are so like, you can't hinge your hopes on that happening, but we don't need to go down the publishing route, but I again I just, we we could if someone wants to hear a full episode we could talk about a lot of these things. But if you guys don't send an email or leave a comment as a thing on the iTunes or the Apple Podcast, then we're not going to do it. Yeah, I just think it's an interesting commentary that one of the more traditionally successful looking things that we've done right. was one of like I get so much more satisfaction. I mean, I will say the coolest part about writing my book was just about connecting with people who yeah. got it into their hands. But, but when I really think about it, that's not that different than a feeling I got from someone commenting on my art on Instagram that is totally. all myself or, yeah. you know, um, you know, taking what my hand lettering course and then turning that into a career in hand lettering. Like those things are so satisfying and so fulfilling and they don't require this outside gatekeeper of a publisher totally. in order to feel those feelings. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of picking self-published or traditionally published, it's like buying a house. Like there are advantages of both. There are renting and buying a house is the example of traditional or self-published. Either one can work out for a person depending on their specific situation. I think it's just like for where we are right now in our lives, if we were to choose right now, we would choose renting and we would choose self-publishing. Yeah. And I do, as I'm thinking about it, I do want to also comment though that there is a certain level of like easy for us to say now that we're on the other side of the validation that comes from having that title under our belts of saying like, yeah, it's easy for you to kind of feel that way because people do look at you and they ascribe some level of validity to what we talk about and do because we've published a book. Do you think anybody sees me as a more valid person because I wrote a book? I think some people who stumble across you for the first time, yeah, they do. You've read my books, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the person stumbling across you hasn't read them either, so it doesn't matter what's in the book. Yeah. I just think because there's clout in society attached to being an author, a published author, that I don't want to minimize or ignore the added benefit and and boost that we get from someone seeing that social proof attached to our names or profiles or whatever. I agree. Yes. But. But in the pie chart of where you can get validation from sources, how small is the sliver of a published book for us versus the things we create, the products we build, the emails we send? Well, the question is, I know what that pie looks like from our perspective. I don't know what that pie looks like from a stranger's perspective. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a great point. We have no. Well, hold on. I can now think of every person in existence and I can know what they're thinking. 
Yep, it's small. It's small. It's small. Great. <laughs> no, but I do see your, I, you see I see your point. Yeah, yeah, it is. So I'm just saying like, you know, I'm thinking about someone listening to this right now and they're like, they've, they've wanted that, that societal metric of I want to be a published author. And I don't know that anything we're going to say from being on the other side of that is going to ever make them decide that they don't need that feather in their cap. But I guess if there's one thing that I would try to tell someone, it's that you don't need that feather in your cap to feel valid. Yeah. And and if anything, I don't think it will give you the validity that you think it will give you because it didn't for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and so and so really that comes down to if you want to pursue that path, keep going. Like yeah. go for it. But if you have been pursuing that path and it's not materializing for you, that's okay. And also, your love, work is not less valid. I love you just as much with or without your book. Oh, thank you, babe. Yeah. Maybe even a little bit less with your book. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, like anything else we talk about, try it for yourself. Yeah. Experimenter's mindset, that is how we run our lives and businesses and those things. All right, you want to get into movies? Wow, you really you didn't wrap... Yeah, but you didn't really wrap it up there. Oh, I mean, I felt like there was like a wrap-up in every section. Yeah, the wrap-up is just like... Don't feel like you have to do the next thing in your life because it's what you think is expected of you. Yeah. Remember that you're the person who has to live your life every day and live with your choices and your experiences. So you yeah. might as well choose the thing that is going to make you happy um, when, when, whenever possible. Yeah. And just remember you're on your path in your life. Yeah. And whether your family or your parents or your close friends are trying to put pressure on you that's their life and probably a lot of what they're putting pressure on you about is like fears they have about their own lives and you got your own life to live so make your decisions for you whatever you feel is best and makes you happy that was a better wrap up that was a better wrap up yeah that's what now I was now let's talk for. about movies okay let's talk right. about movies so a uh, little bit of a slight curveball here this week mm. um, we're recording two episodes in one week so we can get back ahead of schedule you guys don't really care about that <laughs> but we are using four mics this episode <laughs> uh, so we're actually going to talk about two movies we watched quite a while ago somehow we have to figure out how we can like we've, we have not made a list of all the movies we've talked about on this podcast to compare them to the movies that we've i'm gonna start tracking which ones we we're gonna about. start tracking i wish that like there was like a amazon turk you remember that thing when that thing came out that was like this is like a thing that's like a ai that can do tasks for you do you remember when this came no, out no what oh, is it called amazon turk it was like turk? the first like ai thing that you could like tell it to do something like go find me all the articles on becoming what? a doctor or whatever no. Yeah, this was like a long time. I don't know if it still exists. But I wish there was this for like, okay, Amazon robot. What movies have we talked go about? Go listen to every one of our podcasts. Yeah, 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 There's yeah, yeah. 88 episodes, yeah. but we only started talking about 40. But just listen to them all. Write down all the movies in each episode, and then we can just easily put them in Notion. That's funny. If there was only a service. If you guys know of a service that can do that, let us know. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, we so we have two movies we're going to talk about from before, and then we also have two, two addendums to discuss. Or two, sure. two little pre-movie items we want to discuss. Sure. Okay. So you want to start with Volcano? Oh, okay. So before we talk about movies, I I remembered... So when, last episode... Last episode, if you didn't listen, we went over the movies that we watched this past weekend, and it was Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones, and it was... J3. J3. Yeah. Otherwise known as Jurassic Park 3. Right. Nobody calls it that but us. Yeah. And... I remembered that a very important thing that I wanted to talk about with Volcano, mostly we loved it. Mostly. Yeah. The one part of that movie that absolutely infuriated me beyond belief. Us. Us, but I, I mean, yes, but yeah, 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 yeah. I'm the one speaking, so I just yeah, say yeah, me, yeah. but yes, it infuriated us, was, and I'm just warning anyone who goes back to watch it, I think it is important for context and also 
to decide whether you want to watch it or not. But there's this whole storyline of this like cop, this police officer, white, this white police officer, and this black man in the thing, and the whole dynamic between their characters they're they're it's it's totally like a side plot right. or like a subplot or whatever but the the um thing that happens between their characters is that this black man who is just like a person who yep. lives in a neighborhood causing no trouble causing whatsoever. no trouble and just like being a person and then the police officer is very antagonistic towards him and i mean i was would go as far as to say racial profiles him 100%. and and treats him differently because he is a black man and then this thing happens over the course of the movie where then the volcano, spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a lava. Volcano, there's lava. Is coming after the, is, is almost to the man, the black man's neighborhood. Yep. And he is very rightfully so wanting to protect his neighbors and himself. And so he goes to try to get help yep. from the uh, emergency workers and the white police officer happens to be there. And who the white police officer seems very upset by this request to protect his uh yeah. neighborhood and then i'm gonna i'll spare you all the details but the the whole point and the part that actually really infuriated me is not that the movie decided to include this because it's a thing that happens in our society and so they're depicting that but the way in which the as i'm learning and have educated myself this past year we all know about the white savior complex and this this thing that happens where white people center themselves and position themselves as sort of the savior or the person who makes the racial discrimination uh, better or, um, you know, and like, yay, yay for the white person. Yep. Right? And so th there's this scene in the movie where the cop is being just an absolute asshole. Yeah. And then the... And the guy is just asking for him to come to his neighborhood. The guy says no. And then at one point, the black man decides to basically like set aside their differences and come help them move this large piece of, what concrete is it, concrete or, or yeah. like helps them lift it. And so now they're like, they're shoulder to shoulder, side by side, putting aside their differences. And and then at the very end, the cop, the white cop's friend comes by and is also like- white. Also white. And it's like, you're a good man, Sarge, or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, I, listen. Yeah. I will just say, having done a lot of, like, very important research and learning and reading, you start to see things, like, differently. And you start to pick yeah. up on those things when you see them. But it was just, like, so egregious to me that, first of all, that the character arc was had nothing to do with the, the black man. Had everything to do with the white cop. And... That it was all about patting this man on the back for not being an asshole. Right. And also, it's like, it's like doing the bare minimum of, like, potentially, like, he should be, should have yeah. been helping this person. And, like, the fact that he, like, wasn't suddenly an asshole, that was, like, some miraculous discovery. And then also that the onus, in order for that transformation to take place, that the onus had to be on the black man to put aside yeah. his fear and put us anyway i know it's a movie but i had to go on that rant because yeah, it's it, important it was it was like such a all these things that i'm learning it was like such an illustration of that in real time and seeing it play out it was just so bizarre it's also a really weird juxtaposition of don Cheadle's character who is like he takes the reins in his position to like take over Tommy Lee Jones's job where Tommy Lee Jones is clearly the star. He's like the, this great employee of the disaster relief company or whatever. And Don Cheadle's like coming for his job. And then by the end of the movie, 
your Don Cheadle's done a fantastic job. Timely Jones basically steps aside and says, like, you're taking my job. Like, you've done great. And it's like in the same movie that takes a black character and like lets him move into like a little bit of the spotlight towards the end, then does this other thing with like a cop and like marginalizing this person. It's really weird to like yeah. have that happen in the same movie. And I think that's probably also just a commentary on like, but look, I did a good thing with this other guy right. to like kind of cover up for it. I, I don't know if that's necessarily like I'm well, looking yeah, too no, far into it, but it's no, just... No, I know what you're saying. It's kind of the same, it's the same centering in both cases, which I think is just something that we as white people are learning. Right. Is that when you have been the, at the top of the power structure for so long you take all of these messages that you're being fed for granted that like you you're the main character basically as a white person and it's like no 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 like now you know it becomes so obvious in the unlearning of that process to look around and realize how many narratives and how many of these stories have been in movies my entire life that I have just taken and internalized and 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 how much of that has added up to the implicit bias that has formed for all of us. Yeah, for sure. And it's just a very interesting, it's a really interesting experience of pairing like the anti-racism work that you and I have been trying to do more intently for the past year, paired with these going back in time to Absolutely. watch these classic movies. It's an, it's an interesting. It's like, it's like almost like I recommend it as a as a means for learning the history and then also having this very practical media experience where you can watch it play out in the stories that have evolved over the past three or four decades yeah it's also really changed like we do classic movie night which is kind of like the night where i just let us pick any movies at all and i'm okay with the fact that like it's mostly a white cast in both of these movies right and that's just, it's just from the nature of the how nature many of movies are 80s and 90s sure, sure, sure. movies but in every other night of the week, I'm trying so hard not to just consume that content. Right. And and I think that that, I'm not looking for cookies. I'm not looking to be praised for that. It's just a conscious thing that I'm trying to do where I'm also now realizing like, there's just not a lot, you know? Like there just needs to be more opportunities for these people to make amazing content. Like tonight we're gonna watch Always Be My Maybe, which is such a great movie. And yeah, it's, we love that movie. It's such a fun movie. and. And it's not a centered white cast, which is really nice to have a very funny, lovable movie that's not people that you've seen in all these movies all the time. Yeah. And so I think it's just, it's helpful for us to have that juxtaposition and see that. But I'm glad you brought this up because it is definitely a moment we were watching that movie Volcano that we were like, oh, you know, like everything else in the rest of this movie was really well done yeah, and, and this I, really sucks. And I guarantee you that it never even occurred to me like before, when I watched oh, that absolutely. movie before, you know? Yeah. And like, and yeah, I think just to wrap that up here, like, again, we don't talk about these things because we're interested in cookies. We do not want any praise for doing the bare minimum. We bring it up on the podcast because I think part of the actions that we can take as two regular people is that we have a platform and that I I think in sharing some of the things that we try to do on a day-to-day basis which is look at media more critically look at stories more critically all of these things I think it does add up to change that we will hopefully see um not that alone but I just think like I think it's an important part of the unlearning and relearning process, and that's why we share it. So, yeah. and of course, if we ever say anything that you're like, "Oh, you know, you didn't think about this," or "I'm a person of color," and actually, I would wouldn't have talked about it in this way or whatever, like we're always open to that feedback. So, want to throw that out there as well. Um, I have a curveball for you. 
We, we know I how, think you'll be okay with it. How many times, I want you to answer this yeah. ser- seriously, how many times have you said, I have a curveball, I think you'll be okay with it, and it not been okay? 50-50. Great. Yeah. I think this falls in the 50-50 category. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But wasn't that good? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't want to talk about the two movies that we listed that were previous. Great. I want to talk about Rye and the Last Dragon. <gasps> yes. Did it fit in the 50? It fit in the 50. Yeah. It was squarely in the 50. Yeah. Uh, we watched Raya and the Last Dragon, which yep. is, I think, still, like, you have to pay for it on Disney Plus or whatever. It's their, like, pr- their premiere access level. This is one of those things, too, where, uh, and again, this is speaking from a place of privilege because we can't afford it, yeah. where paying the $30 or whatever it was. I think it's $20. $20. Um, I, that movie, and again, this is going to come off as, like, oh, I have the money to spend. If that movie was $100, I would have wanted to spend $100 on it because yeah. I want Disney to know I want a movie like this. It was so good. I want a movie that's like an entirely different story than I've ever heard before with an entire cast that has never been able to come together and do a movie before, an animated movie like this. And it was fantastic. Yeah, it was magical. The characters were so great. I loved the story. Um, I, You know, I would love to actually, maybe they have like more of the behind the scenes on this, but... What I gathered from some of the little trailer cuts that we watched is that it's sort of like an assimilation of many different... It is, yeah. It is. It's yeah. sort of like it pulled from a lot of different Asian cultures. Yep. Um, because Even, yeah, the parts that I pay attention to a lot are like the fighting styles. Yeah. And the fighting styles is like one Indonesian, uh, you know, one like Chinese, you know, there's a little bit of like, uh, and Both. other ones thrown in as well. Well, you didn't even tell me anything about the movie. And so when we first started watching, I thought that it was specifically based on one culture. Right. And then we're talking about the land is breaking up and the dragons. And I'm yeah. like, okay, so just so we're clear, this is uh, a this fantasy. This is a fantasy. And you're yeah. like, yes. Yeah. Um, Which I actually think is, it's interesting because you could kind of go two ways on that, right? Is like, oh, well, you didn't even like take the time to celebrate our culture and like actually lift that culture up sure. and do that. But then you would be like, well, why are you only celebrating that culture? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, it's kind of nice to do. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not for us to comment on that specifically because we're not of any of those cultures. Right. But I would be interested to know from, you know, from people if they really enjoyed seeing, like, so to me it's like so many different types of Asian cultures get to see themselves represented, which is really cool. Yeah. And, God, the movie was just so good. Yeah, I mean, Aquafina is just such a character. I know. Like herself. But then, like, her being the voice of the dragon character yeah. and just... The, the visual of that dragon, which is kind of like very different than you've ever seen, you know, in a way. And that's obviously the purpose of when you do a movie and you try and visually make it different. Yeah. She just, it made it so fun. Yeah, like that character so was just like such a hilarious character throughout the whole thing. Um, I listened to a Dave Chang episode with, I think her name is Kelly Marie. I Tran? Tran. Um, it's Kelly Marie on the podcast, which is what tripped me up because it didn't Maybe she her. goes by Kelly Marie. Um, but anyway, she was talking about just like how much fun it was to work on. But then you find out at the end, they recorded everything virtually. Yeah, that's crazy. Everything, like no uh, audio recording, voiceover work, nothing was done in studio. Everyone recorded at their own home. This is also... This a, is a feature yeah, Disney animated movie all recorded okay, in people's that's closets. Crazy. This is also... What freaks me out is something that I learned in watching the behind the scenes of Frozen 2. Yeah. Is that I thought these movies were in the can like a full year before Just they get released. done, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Done. Yeah. Like... Yeah. The, so the fact that all of this had to be done at home means that they had to have done it in the past year. Yeah. Which stresses me out. Yeah. I'm like, that's too close to call yeah, guys absolutely and you know that they're working on like the animation and everything else like 
on their home computer setups and it's like probably a lot more stress because it's like, oh, well, my cat could spill a glass of water on my laptop um, and, you know, it could ruin the whole movie. And it's a Disney movie. It's a big movie. Um, was I right on her name? Yeah, you were. Checking? Okay. And um, is there anything else you want to say about Raya? Oh, just the fact that, like, if you're on the fence, if you're like, oh, I'll just wait to rent it, like... And you can. And you can. You do have the disposable income to spend $20 or $30, whatever it is. Spend it. It's delightful. Because it does show those companies that people are willing to pay for those things. And to be able to contribute more money to things like that means that more of those things will exist. And this just goes back to something that we really believe in, which is just voting with your dollars. Yeah. And something that I think we've all learned in the past year about trying to support BIPOC businesses and trying to be more thoughtful about where we spend our money. It's like so many people will go drive through a Starbucks and spend $15 without thinking but yet they'll look at their $20 movie that they might watch, you know, and they're like, ah, I'll wait till it like is free or it's three bucks. And it's like, just be a little bit more discerning worth where you spend your money because we're all trying to do a better part to lift up other voices. And I think this is just one way where this movie is so great. It is so magical. It is so well done. And even the constraints that were put on it for it to come out and be as good as it was. I just think it's a, a huge win. Yeah. I loved it. What was the little boy's character's name? I loved him. Oh yeah. Was it, what was it? Boone. What was he it? He just had it up. Boone. Uh, the little shrimp boat operator. Boone. Boone. Oh. Yeah. yeah, he was so good. So freaking cute. Yeah. So really well done. Highly recommend Ryan the Last Dragon on Disney Plus. The last thing I want to say about that I had no idea we were gonna. Well, that's actually why I thought of it. I. Oh, okay. Is um. One other resource that we wanted to highlight and kind of amplify was a podcast episode um, on the Tripod podcast. So this is the, um, if you don't know, the Try Guys. And T-R-Y. T-R-Y. If you want to find it. The Try Guys. Oh, so yeah. their podcast is T-R-Y Pod. Yeah, Tripod. Tripod. Um, it's episode 102 and the title of it is Misogyny Against Asian Women. And so I think this is an episode specifically that they did. I mean, it was like right after, right after. the yeah. Atlanta shooting. Um, and Jason and I have separately watched this it's a it's on youtube as well but you can listen to the to the podcast i would recommend watching it because if you i think can, so too it adds a lot of context to be able to see these women and to see that they're yeah. all different and to see their emotions yeah and, and, to, and to be able to understand eugene the host and not just like right so to give some context eugene is a member of the four guys who are the try guys highlight one of them ned i went to high school with Amazing. and so that's how i discovered the try guys but i think a lot of people know them because they're like very youtube famous but anyway um eugene is an asian american and he d they decided to do this episode where he's sort of like moderating yeah. but it's he's with four other women and they all come from different backgrounds different like um asian backgrounds cultures, yeah. and cultures um but I just was like really moved by and so they did this whole episode just about what it has been like, different experiences that they've had of being discriminated against, discriminated against, um, what it has been like growing up in America, you know, being Asian and yeah. what that experience is like. And I was really, really moved. I'm still not done with it, so I but I'm, you yeah, know, I'm, all, I'm enough of it through to tell you to go watch this oh, because I mean, five minutes in, you're enough through to watch it yeah, because it's just the level good. of like vulnerability that they speak with the level of honesty that they're able to share the amount of like love and mutual respect between all of them and sharing their stories. And also if you're just someone who is not a member of, you know, the AAPI community, 
you can't possibly, we can't possibly understand what that is like. And, um, that I think is a part of the onus of, again, what I was saying about if you are a white person, there are so many ways that we have moved through the world that we have not experienced barriers or traumas or discriminations or experiences that, it's important that we put ourselves in the shoes of people who have experienced those things to really be able to empathize and know what that has been like. And like, so that we can care enough to do something to stop it. Because I think that there are so many of us well-intentioned white people who believe in things like kindness and compassion and not hate and, and all of these things. But if you walk around not being aware that these things are happening or the toll that it's taking on other people, you may not have that spark of of uh, cat- that catalyst to then change your behaviors and put some intentional action behind trying to stop it. Yeah, and I think that the interview brings up so many of the biases and stereotypes that we all are aware of and that we all think about, but to actually hear from four women and how it impacts them and how it has hurt them and how it has emotionally stuck with them for years, whether it's like body image or what they should be like, or if they should be quiet or like just all these different things or phrases that people use around Asian women, you really get some context for, oh, I've had a couple thoughts that I need to figure out how to process and do a better job with. And I'm speaking specifically for myself. Yeah. And and just to understand you're watching these four people share this, these vulnerable moments and for you to go, oh, okay, this is something I can change. This is something that does affect these people. And I'm not like outwardly screaming these things on the street at people, obviously. I'm not it's, it's like that. It's, it's implicit it's, bias. It's implicit bias. It's yeah. the things that you you grew up that were just like normal in your friend group that Or are, in movies. Yeah, or in, and it, you know. it's trying to break those things down and trying Absolutely. to remove them from the way that you think. And, and so, yeah, definitely recommend that episode. Uh, you know, it is a longer listen, but it is really, really good. Um, yeah. And I just want to acknowledge the four women that were on that podcast because it takes incredible bravery to be that open and to share your experience around something that's as personal as, you know, the intersection of racism and misogyny and yeah. relationships and all these things. So those women were there. I believe their names were YB, Alexandria, Igo and Kathleen. And that is the tripod, T-R-Y-P-O-D episode. Uh, 102. 102. That's our last resource. Took a turn, but we just, when we come across these things and they move yeah. us, we want to share with you guys as well. Listen, I think you guys know that we're we're here for the, the silliness, but we're also here for the serious at times too. And we want to try and deliver value. And sil- mm, I was trying to combine okay. them. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. The silliness. Seriousness. Yeah, okay. okay. No, we'll workshop it. Are we going to workshop we it? We won't. We won't. How's your arm feel holding that lab the whole time? My hand is asleep. Okay. It's sort of kind of calcified into like a sort of claw <laughs> at this point. Do you feel like that worked for you? Like, would that be an ongoing? Honestly, I didn't think about it much, so I think that's fine. Interesting. I think probably all the blood has left my hand. Yeah. Do you think that's fine? I think so. Okay, cool. I think we'll just try a different top next episode, and I think you'll have a different result of I don't think it I on. will, but... Yeah. There's 50, also 50. many other apparatus we can try that it, really? it clips onto. Yeah, like I've got the vampire clip on mine. Whoa. Okay, wait. Your clip is different? Yeah, but you have the better clip. This one's spiky. Like this one spikes up against my skin. 
my skin. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. All of the things that we talked about for over an hour of fun in your ears. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. If you haven't done so yet, we say it uh, fairly often these days, leave a little review. Click also, a couple stars. I have a new new one. Okay. Share share the podcast on Instagram. No, nah, it's too difficult. Okay. That's uh, too difficult. Don't do that. I don't even know how they would do that. Take a screenshot and then tag us. Have you ever been on Instagram? Plenty of people do that. Oh. Literally take a screenshot and tag us. The words that you just used. I figured it out. God. Hey, guys, take a screenshot and tag us. That'd be awesome. Cool. <laughs> All right. I just I we never talk about the podcast on Instagram, and I thought maybe I'd try to do that. In case that you guys want to know, the, the podcast is what is it all for? And then we're on Wandering Aimfully. Or on Instagram is at Wandering Aimfully. Wow, babe, great job. Way Thank to you. drop our handles. Okay, we'll see you guys next hey, week. Hey, thanks for listening. Bye. Four mics out.